everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is July 9th, and last night in beautiful Montreal, Atlanta United defeated the Impact 1-0 on a goal by Brooks Lennon in the second half. It was the team's second consecutive victory, its second consecutive shutout, its second win ever at beautiful Stad Saputo because every other team in the East lost. It is now with three points away from second place. The team is going to come back on the road to play at New England on Wednesday, and I'll be there. And then it will host Orlando on Saturday in what's a really, really important week for the club. The match comes on the heels of the team trading away Andrew Gutman to Colorado on Wednesday and sending out Franco Albara on loan to Toronto the next day. But they still managed to get the three points, still managed to get the shutout in the new formation. We're going to go into that in a little bit. You're going to hear from manager Gonzalo Pineda. You're going to hear from Brooks Lennon. You're going to hear from Santiago Sosa. And I should also point out that the team has just one loss in its past 10 games. So while it was grinding out some draws, it's now starting to turn some of those draws into wins as it moves up the Eastern Conference table. If I sound a little down today, I'm just tired. It was about two hours of sleep last night. My kids are coming for lunch. I'm excited about that. And we may go to Fido's with a friend of mine tonight to watch the U.S.-Canada. So if you see me, please say hello. If this is your first time listening to us, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss an episode. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestick, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. So the first question I asked Pineda is, you know, considering the the events this week, the, the drama, uh, we're going to get into some of that in a little bit. How satisfied was he with the team's performance? It was great. Um, I'm very proud of uh, the players. I think they did a, a great, great job, uh, especially the first half. Um, we were suffering a little bit on how to press. They did. Uh, Montreal did a good job at finding uh, passing lanes for their lines, and it was difficult for us to figure it out. Uh, players were executing the game plan, but those passes were, were trouble for us. Um, and they knew how to suffer a little bit and adjust and do all the effort to, yeah, maybe chase and press and recover and be goal-sided and at times, you know, absorb pressure. And that was very good response for me, plus a few transition moments, a few good plays, one with Caleb crossing and then one very good ball from Thiago to Brooks in the first half. So we had a few chances there, but not really in the control. And then the second half, I felt we corrected and at some point we had a bit more possession and then we found the goal. And then, of course, we start to absorb a lot of pressure, start to put a lot of numbers with tall number nines and direct play, direct play. And, and it was just a very brave performance, which makes me think that we're heading in the right direction. I referenced in the first segment that the team has used the, it's not a new formation, but it's a formation that's new to the club this season for the links that it's playing it. 
It came out again with three center backs, same as it did against Philadelphia, which it defeated 2-0 in its previous game. Again, allowed just one shot on target for the second consecutive game. That's the first time in franchise history it's been able to do that. So here's Pineda talking about the success of the new formation. I think it's working. It's um, uh, Again, uh, we have to see at a time coaches, and we try to stick with the formation just to continuity. But then when you see that something is not working, at times you look for alternatives, and that's what we did. But uh, n- no formation will fix mentality. So, so for me, it's credit all to the players because I can put back line of six and if they don't, they don't defend well, the duels, they don't win. They're all duels, the, the 50-50 balls, they don't put the tackles, they don't block shots, block cross. They, 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 the plan won't work defensively. So it's, it's, it can be very easily back four and if we have that mentality, we can do the same. It's just at the moment it's working, but uh, it's, it's just all great to the players. And then I wanted to follow up with him is if it's just a confidence thing. Those of you who follow the team since its inception, know that the three center backs is what Martino went to in the playoffs with the two wing backs playing high, which helped the team win the MLS Cup. After the team struggled a little bit under Frank DeBoer, he brought the the three center backs back and the team started to play well. I think he eventually went back to the two center backs. I'd have to go back and, and look. I think Rob Valentino did a little bit of that too. I'm tired. My memory could be fuzzy. But it just seems like something that gives the team some confidence and here he is talking about that yes maybe I, I told you this maybe it's just the the role of the wing backs at times now that we are absorbing pressure is they can step up with more confidence than mm-hmm. if someone okay. runs in behind we have an extra man on the back and then even there if if the opponent makes a cross we know that we have at least four players in line three center backs plus the opposite wing back plus the midfield is dropping we have a double pivot so mm-hmm. is it, it, it has to be very complicated for the opponent to get crosses and and headers inside our box that's the main idea but then in the build-up which is also something that I, I, I care a lot is also the back three allow us to have a clear build-up I think so it's both ways it's not just defensive 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 uh, shape mm, and it's also how we can also build from the back a little bit better and then here's Pineda talking about Santiago Sosa who he hadn't started a match in I think it's six weeks or so because of his ankle injury and in the play of Franco Albara so i was curious to get his take on how he thought Sosa played. Very good. Again, similar to everyone. I don't want to highlight one over the other, but um, everyone did a great, great performance. I mean, starting with Brad, uh, you know, the experience that he showed, a couple uh, good blocks that, that he did and, and going for, for the balls in the air was pretty good. And the centre-backs, I think they absorbed a lot of pressure, all of them. Uh, Ronald, Purata, Bram, they did a great job. Full-backs, they were putting a lot of effort. Uh, the the, the wing-backs, uh, you know, back and forth, box-to-box, it, it, uh, Caleb was was tired at some point. Mm-hmm. He he kind of told us he was tired. That's why we brought in matchup. And then Santi, I mean, as you said, a long time since he didn't start and did a great job in the middle to block in passing lanes and then the tackles and the duels that he can put in. It was, again, the Santi that we all want to see. So it was very good to see Amar on the same, like blocking passes and then uh, sustaining possession, which, which is very good. I mean, Thiago, you saw how many times he just chased mm-hmm. and pressed and run back and did everything defensively and then offensively was very dangerous. His free kick was amazing. Uh, Tyler, I think, did a great, mm-hmm. great job. Ajani after Rossi closing down the game. Miguel, I mean, it's just it's just in general, everyone had an outstanding performance and that's what we need, uh, especially when we play on the road. 
And then, you know, trading away two starters is not going to be easy for any club, but particularly Atlanta United because of, you know, it's it's up and down kind of emotional state for a lot of this season with giving up goals after scoring goals or giving up soft goals consistently. Just if he was worried about the team's emotional state or its focus with these two moves that the, the front office made. Yes, uh, I think it is not easy. It is not easy when something like that happens. Um, for us, the Latinos or players or people, football people that we live other experiences, this is not easy. This is not easy that you have to be traded one day to the other. It's not easy. It's, it's hard to uh, adapt to that. I'm a bit more adapt, but the players, of course, they, they have feelings. They like Andrew, they like uh, Ivar, and there's some connections in the culture of the team that we have that, uh, of course, we're going to miss them as a person first and then as a players. But this is MLS, and, and the front office trying to do the best job possible to, to provide the team with the right pieces in the roster. And at times, you know, it's not like we don't like certain players. It's just the moves that we have to do to do the everything and uh, and I think uh, it's tough but the reaction of the players again was great is dealing with adversity with these situations that is not easy and then they perform like this is again it tells me it tells the coaching staff that we're heading in the right direction here's Brooks Lennon talking about his goal yeah I just uh, was in a great place uh, kind of ricocheted off the post I had a really good feeling before Tiago kicked it that um, yeah, a really good feeling before Thiago kicked it that I was going to bounce back into a dangerous area, and I was just ready for it. And last week, I think it was like it may have been two weeks ago at this point, Brooks talked about how Andrew Gutman was his best friend uh, on the club. So I wanted to get his take on the team moving forward after the team traded Gutman to Colorado. You know, I love Andrew, and I wish him all the best, uh, you know, at Colorado and, and moving forward. Um, but, yeah, I think things like this happen in professional sports. Um, you know, guys move on. Um, in certain moments of a season. So we just needed to continue, uh, you know, our game plan for, for Montreal and keep our focus on, on the game plan uh, with how we were going to prepare. Uh, and I thought, I thought we did really well with, uh, you know, all the transitions that happened this week, uh, you know, staying focused on the game. And I will point out, it was a really, when you think about it some more, a really, really good piece of business by Atlanta United on the Gutman trade. They signed him for probably next to nothing. I don't know what they had to give Celtic to get his rights. But in addition to getting the $300,000 salary off the books, they're going to get back $550,000 in allocation money and an international slot. So they cleared about a million dollars off the books. And they have Caleb Wiley, who stepped in and played really well last night. So it it really was a smart piece of business, especially when you consider – that had the team exercised the option on Gutman for next year and not negotiated a new contract, he was going to be able to walk for nothing. So I thought it was a smart move by the front office. So we're going to get into the Ibarra stuff in just a little bit. Here's Brooks now talking about what is working for the team with the back-to-back shutouts. Yeah, I think um, the mentality has has shifted a little bit. Um, instead of you know having one mentality at home in the bends and a different mentality on the road. Um, you know, we wanted to combine that and have uh, the same performances on the road than we have at home. Um, and obviously we're, we're playing in a little bit of a different formation, which helps. Um, but two great performance back-to-back. Philadelphia is a, is a really tough opponent to play against. We um, had one of our best games this season against them. And, um, and then again here, it's a great result for us on the road. Pick up three points and we just got to keep doing that. And Santiago Sosa, 
was kind enough to to come and up to the the office in Stad Saputo. Did the interview in English. Uh, his English is very very good. Thank you, Santi. It, it was it was a surprise, but it was cool. Here he is talking about his first game back. Yes, was a long time. I am really happy uh, to be back uh, for my performance in particular, and then for for the team because today we played a very good game. Uh, we we won, so we are really happy. And then Franco Barra was one of Santi's close friends, so I wanted to get his just take on you know the the team's focus. Uh, we lost two great players. Uh, Obviously, it's not easy for us because they are they were our teammates. Uh, we we share a lot of things uh, during this year and the last two years. In my case, with Franco, uh, but in MLS, that type of things uh, could happen, and and obviously, it's not good for us. It's not good for them. Uh, but but obviously, uh, we we have to to keep going. And then I was also curious because Santi is one of the four under 22s and teams can only have three, which is why Franco Obara got loaned out. If he was concerned that he was going to get loaned. Now, I don't know if he quite understood the question because he, he wasn't relying on any translation for the question or the answer. So keep that in mind with his answer. Okay. Uh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not afraid. I am, I am like quiet because I, I am, I am sure that uh, how I how I train, uh, how I give to to the team, and obviously then the the, the front office, the, the coach, take the decision. Not depend uh, to me, but but I think I try to to give my best. All right. When we come back, we're gonna we got three voicemails. We're gonna listen to those, and I'll answer those questions, and then we're gonna get into the mailbag. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, and on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. This is Southern Fried Soccer from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs. And I'm Ned Ravone. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, our politics, our breaking news, our investigations, our food and dining you can get access to our e-paper, our Sunday sports magazine, our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. And 99 cents. I mean, you know, that's like the most basic stuff you can buy in Clash of Clans. And yes, I play Clash of Clans. So consider it. 99 cents. On to the mailbag. That number is 404-526-AJCP. That's 404-526-2527. Hey, Doug. This is Adam from North Carolina. Very happy to see the five strips get another three points on this uh, difficult stretch. Uh, let's see if continue uh, against New England. 
wanted to say that I, th I thought uh, Sosa uh, did well tonight. I know that he was under a lot of pressure playing on the full 90, so I was glad to see that. I'd really like to hear your thoughts on uh, a little scuffle between uh, Pineda and uh, Canadian Mike McDaniel there at the end of the match. Um, I'm sure you've already talked about that, so uh, you can go ahead and let me know that you've already answered that question. And then the other thing that just bothered me, and I don't, don't know if uh, MLS needs to address this or if it's just a soccer web problem, but, man, it bugged me when every player on the pitch yelled at the referee. I thought it was only the captain could talk to him, and I wish that they would start forcing that rule. Thanks, Adam. Your first question was about the little kerfuffle at the end of the game between Pineda and Losada. Pineda told me after the microphone, after the recorder was cut off, what happened. So it, it, that's an off-the-record conversation, so I'm not going to share the results. It's honoring a confidentiality that I've tried to do with everyone I've worked with uh, throughout my career. I'll just say that I thought Pineda was in the right in this instance. Your point about players surrounding the referee, yeah, it's very tiresome. And it would get ended pretty quickly if they just started handing out yellow cards left and right. It should only be the captain's and maybe just in breaks in play or something like that. But it's gotten to the point of being a little bit silly. So I appreciate that point, and thank you for asking those two questions, Adam. And next time you call in, tell me what part of North Carolina you live in, because I've lived all over in my career there, from Morganton to Hickory to Wilmington to Greensboro. All right, on to our second voicemail. Hey, Doug, it's Brett from Inman Park. Giving away a starting player due to roster mismanagement is madness. The only way four U22 players works when the maximum is three is if you're identifying talented, skillful players who can pretty quickly go on to bigger and better. Or if you develop these players into talented and skillful guys who can quickly go on to bigger and better. Which is the more urgent issue for the team to address? The failure of player identification for these U22s or the failure of player development for these U22s. Very soon after he retired as a player in 2019, Jonathan Spector was hired by Atlanta United as head of international recruitment and development, despite not having any kind of front office experience. Do you think Atlanta United's struggles in the international transfer market from 2020 through 2022 had to do with Spector being inexperienced and needing to learn on the job? International signings like Jurgen Dom, Marcelino Mourinho, Zetto, and Alan Franco didn't work out nearly as well as more recent international signings like Parata, Almada, and Yakamakis. If I understood your question correctly, you, I think you almost refute yourself a little bit, Brett, because those last three signings happened under Spectre. The first one, Jurgen Dom, I don't think happened under Spectre. Now, the the your point about the under twenty twos, the roster mismanagement. I, Again, this was told to me off the record, so I can't share it. There's a very good reason that Mosquera returned to Atlanta United. Atlanta United knew that it was going to make it not compliant with MLS rules. It tried to fix the issue. It was unable to fix the issue, which is why it had to loan Abara to Toronto. It is just a loan. Abara is going to – well, he's supposed to come back. I know he said he doesn't want to. He's also a young man. Sometimes things are said in the heat of the moment. Abar and I had a situation similar to that one time, and then we patched it up a couple of weeks later, and we're all good now. So just give Abar some time. Let's see what he thinks down the road. He is also a professional. He is under contract. 
with Major League Soccer. You know, you're right about the the talent that the team has acquired as part of the under-22 initiatives. It hasn't developed like they thought. I, I would say that Atlanta United isn't unique in that situation. If every young player signed by every club worked out, then the world will be full of world-class soccer players. It just doesn't happen for a whole lot of different reasons. And you can't put your finger on any single one. I would say that, like, I hate singling out a player, but Edwin Mosquera, he had, what was it, no goals or one goal and four assists and like 50-something appearances for his previous club. I don't know what what the club saw or sees that warranted that signing. Hopefully he's going to come good. I don't want to see anybody fail ever. But that was a curious signing. Um, and it was also the one that put Atlanta United over three into four at the time. Same for Eric Lopez. That's another one that just hasn't worked out. But again, you don't sign these players thinking, oh, I can't wait for him to fail. No team does that. It just hasn't worked out. Lopez is because he got mismanaged by Heinza. Then he, he was stuck behind Joseph. Then he got stuck behind Yurgos. There's just, I don't know what, it's just, this is the way it has worked sometimes. If you remember, the club signed a fullback, um, Jose Hernandez, before the 2018 season thinking that he was going to be like the equivalent of an under-22 guy. He had a national team appearance with Venezuela, played in the preseason, did decently, and then just fell off the face of the earth. Injuries sidelined his career until he eventually got released or his contract ran out. Sometimes this is just how it goes. You do hire If you do hire people who don't have a lot of front office experience, there are going to be issues. But you're counting on that potential, much like the young players, to come through. And I think knock on marble countertop specter is now starting to get more of these right than maybe were a little bit questionable at the beginning. So I would just exercise patience, remind you that the team is three points from second place in the East. It seems to found a system that works and uh, we'll go from there. Let's go on to the third voicemail. Hey guys, Brett from East Lake. So two games in a row, uh, clean sheets with this new three back system. Can you talk about just what specifically, I know it's a small sample size, but what specifically has changed these last two games? You're always quick to point out that the goals we give up tend to be more team-wide, not just one center back messing up or something like that. So, yeah, just what have you seen these last two games, or, or is it simply just having three center backs back there is making the difference? And on that same note, uh, does Miles Robinson just walk back into the start lineup when he gets back? And has Miles ever played in a back three? Um, I'm sure he has at some point, but I don't recall seeing it. So, yeah, just love your thoughts on that. Appreciate it. Brett, how many houses do you have? You call from all over Atlanta. And if you're at Fido's tonight, please uh, come say hello, and uh, I'll buy you a beer. I'm not 100% sure I'm going there tonight, but it depends on how much sleep I can get this afternoon. Anyway, uh, does Miles walk back into the starting lineup? That's a really good question because the back three is playing really, really well right now. Miles is out of contract at the end of the season. I'll be curious. We'll see what happens, but that it's an interesting thought. And yes, he's played in a back three before. Um, he, he played in a back three at times under DeBoer. He played in a back three when Heinze tried the 3-4-3. So, yeah, he's played in a back three. I think he's played in a back three a couple of times with the U.S. Men's National Team, too. I could be wrong about that. But good questions again, Brett. Thank you. Now on to the traditional through Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC or my email, droberson 
at AJC.com. The boonful starts us off, and, and Brett, we're going to get into the why the, the back three is working because there's a lot of questions about that. He says, every East playoff team stumbled yesterday except Atlanta. Three points away from second place and nine above the line. What a difference a few days makes. That is the funny part about Major League Soccer is any team that gets on a two- to three-game winning streak suddenly can rocket up the standings. DeBoonful says, I love the back three. It's forcing opponents to send hopeful crosses in from wide against more size instead of working for a shot at the top of the box. That is true. It's one of the, the interesting things, and this is why I've advocated for this formation a few times this season before it got implemented, as if my say matters one whit to Gonzalo Pineda, is when you have the back three and then you have the double pivot, if they're working together, if there's communication and awareness, there's very few passing lanes in the middle of the field that opponents can go through. So as you point out, DeBoonful, you have to start trying crosses in from out wide and then the wingbacks are positioned out there that they can pressure those crosses. And then the attacking midfielders, and we saw this last night with Tyler Wolf and, and Almada, they can drop back if the, the players that, who are thinking about the crosses instead pass it back into the middle. They can put pressure on those guys too. And then the good thing that Atlanta United has is it's got some speed up top. I know Miguel Berry doesn't always look fast, but if you watched him last night, he caused Montreal some really big problems with some runs or if they can get the ball out to Tiago quick enough, he can get going. And then he got two wingbacks in Wiley and Lennon that can get up the field in a hurry. We saw that a few times in the second half last night. We saw it against Philadelphia the game before, but I think it was Gutman in that instance because Wiley had already come out, but it's a, it's a formation that I really like. Uh, you, you've got to have certain elements to it. You got to have tall, at least one tall center back to clear those crosses. You got to have wing backs who are willing to, to take their lumps when the ball is slammed into them. And you got to have some speed up top. And Atlanta has those things. On to Dave, who says, it seems that Pineda has unlocked a solid defensive formation. You also have to have grit. Everybody's got to be just be aggressive. It seems Pineda has unlocked a solid defensive formation with Hernandez, Parata, and Abram in the backfield. It was amazing to see the five strikes pull off a clean sheet on the road without GG, Miles Robinson, Gutman, or Ibarra. I would have thought that impossible. Where's your belief, Dave? He says, what's your take on this new and improved defense? Have we finally fixed our leaky defense from earlier in the season? Thanks for all you do. I don't want to say that the defense is fixed. As Pineda pointed out last night, it comes down to focus and aggressiveness. Sosa said the same. It comes down to being aggressive. If the team stops being aggressive and relaxes, then it's going to get punished. These past two games, it's been aggressive. We'll see what happens on the road in Foxborough, another place that Atlanta United has not had a lot of luck. And then Orlando, which has played Atlanta fairly well the past few meetings. Two massive games for Atlanta United. I was telling someone before the Montreal game in the stadium, if Atlanta United could get four points from these next two games, it would go a long way toward securing a top four finish. Now, if they can get four points from these next two games, in addition to the three from Montreal, that's going to go a long way. Especially three points at home, you got to think they'll get, but we will see. Jennifer, friend of the podcast, we haven't heard from her in a while, but it's always good, says, what was Pineda getting up in Montreal's coach's face about the game? Again, I, I can't say what it was. Just, you know, some things were said. Jennifer says, we moved from Atlanta to Seattle. Good for you. I love Seattle. A year ago. And even though we have Sounders season tickets, we continue to watch it follow Atlanta and listen to and enjoy your podcast. Well, thanks, Jennifer. That, 
That's very gracious of you. That means a lot. When you are here for the Seattle Atlanta game, let me know. We would love to buy you an excellent PNW coffee. It's a deal. Uh, just you know, email me or reach out to me a little bit closer to the game, and uh, we'll try to make that happen. Eric, friend of the podcast, says funnier French character because of the Montreal game, Inspector Clouseau or Pepe Le Pew. I'm going to go with a third. The night from the Holy Grail. Now go away, Eric, or I shall taunt you a second time. Chris says, first, I need all the tea on the coaches being closer to fighting than any of the players. What was said? What language were they speaking? Do you think the disciplinary committee will have anything to say about it? Uh, They were speaking Spanish. And no, the disciplinary committee won't have anything to say about it. The disciplinary committee might have something to say to Montreal about their fans throwing water bottles on the field when Barata suffered a cramp but I don't think they're going to have anything to say about the coaches. Second, it feels like this was one of those games where the whistle finally didn't go against Atlanta. Obviously, the home crowd felt that Atlanta, for the benefit of some calls, but other than stopping the game for the Parada injury, it actually felt like Pesmic called a pretty good game. Uh, yeah, I thought so too. I didn't think he stood out for anything in particular. Uh, I do <laughs> I do think the Pineda, or I'm sorry, the Almada free kick that led to the Lennon goal, that was a little bit dubious. I thought that was more Almada running into the center back than the center back running into Almada, but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I thought he did a good game. He continues, I thought Camacho could have been sent off for a second yellow in the 56th minute. Eh, possibly. It was probably the right call to let it go. Your thoughts? No, I think those are there's a point on, Chris. Thanks for all you do. Safe travels home. Hey, I will say there was an Atlanta United supporter sitting in front of me on the Delta, the 8 8, no, the what time was it? 7 a.m. Delta flight this morning from Montreal. If you follow me on Twitter, reach out. I wanted to say hey, but I didn't know your name, didn't recognize you. But feel free to to say hello. We could have talked some Atlanta United. Although I think we were both trying to sleep. Chris says, Good afternoon. After reading the article about Abara's departure, including how he cried with one of the cooks. Does the team have anyone who can support these young men emotionally during challenging times? I am sure they have professional psychologists. They do. But I am thinking of someone like an older bilingual man or woman who can provide emotional support that was more paternal or maternal, especially to the younger players and their families. We often hear about how difficult it is for many of them being away from home, and the article about how sad and confused Abara felt was heartbreaking. Any thoughts on this idea? I don't know if the team has that per se, the whole thing is it's I feel bad for a bar. He obviously does not want to go. Didn't want to leave Atlanta. I thought that was a mistake for him to say he didn't want to go to Toronto because now he's got to walk into that locker room on a team that he should be getting a good bit of playing time over the next few months and try to explain to them why he said those things. I don't know if Abara understood what was happening, if it was explained to him well enough, because it is just a loan. Toronto is more than likely not going to make the playoffs. He'll be back in Atlanta in his home by November 1st. If Toronto gets bounced out of the League's Cup and the players get some time off, he'll be back in Atlanta. Not with Atlanta United, but in the city. This is not a stigma. Getting loaned isn't a stigma, particularly in this instance where it was simply well-meaning but not well-functioning MLS rules that resulted in this should Atlanta have four under 22s on its roster no it should not that was that is on the team but it did everything it possibly could to avoid the situation and sometimes 
crap just happens. And in this case, it happened. I think Abar is a good guy. I think he developed into, into a solid player. I don't know his potential. I can't tell you if, how much better he's going to get, if any. But it is just a loan. He should be back with Atlanta United unless he just tells the team I'm not coming back, in which case they'll have to figure out something. Yeah, it's just uh, – it's – yeah, I, I feel bad for him. It, he's obviously – this is a tough time for him. I, I think it's going to end up working out well for him, but, you know, we'll see. Chance says two games in a row with three center backs and two shutouts. So far, the more defensive strategy has been very effective. Coffee sip. Do you believe that our new formation is a plan for the future? Or has Pineda simply found a way to keep getting points until Robinson comes back? Well, <laughs> I will point out that, you know, when Robinson was in the lineup, the team, you know, it got a few shutouts. It wasn't shutting out everybody. Do you find it interesting how much of our possession has dropped in the last two games? Yeah, so I wrote about this in the game story. It's like one of the final paragraphs. The stats the past two games are kind of the opposite of most Atlanta United games this year. The opponent had more possession. The opponent had more shots. Atlanta United had more shots on goal, and Atlanta United had a higher expected goals total. If you go and you look through Atlanta United box scores, that's kind of a the theme the other way for the beginning of the season. But now, because Atlanta United is a little more focused on defense and then kind of playing through and and getting numbers in its favor on counters or just quick strikes, those numbers are dropping a little bit. They're getting higher quality shots, though less of them. That's not a bad thing. He continues, I understand sharing possession evenly with a good Philly team. Atlanta United was at home, so that's not out of the norm. But giving Montreal 57% seems rather odd. Sometimes it's just how the game breaks. You know, Atlanta didn't have GG, as was pointed out. Montreal's a good team. They're tough. They were tough to beat at home. They've now, I think, lost three at home, uh, the two consecutive. But before that, obviously, doing the math, take my shoes and socks off. They only lost one. Sometimes it's just how the games happen. Points are points. Thank you for all you did, good sir, and enjoy your coffee. Thank you, Chance. Nick, friend of the podcast, says... It seems the switch to the three-man back line has really worked. Credit to Pineda again. I think we may have a better coach than most 17s realize. What changes for the team and why are they so comfortable in it? I think it allows them to be a little bit more aggressive. I was asking a former player about this formation compared to the one Atlanta United used before. And he said, you know, playing with a back three can be more comfortable. It can lead to some one-on-ones. And so as long as you're comfortable either keeping those guys behind the ball if you're not comfortable with a one-on-one, or sending guys forward, you can get more numbers in attack, it can work. It just depends upon your level of comfort. The key is always everyone's got to be aggressive. Adam, friend of the podcast, says, why does Hernandez always have the tape on his right wrist or hand? That's a good question. He's done that since he got it to Atlanta United. I don't quite know what it is, but I'll try to find out. Steve says, the conversation among fans and pundits has been about remaking the midfield during this window. Any chance Nick Firmino... Moving to the first team is part of that. No, it's not. I've explained this a few times. He's an Atlanta United 2 player. MLS teams are allowed to bring up players from the twos four times in a league season. Of those four times, those players can only play twice. Firmino has come in and played once, so he can only do it one more time. It's a rule that it kind of makes sense, but and nowadays, if you want to keep developing young talent, 
if you want to bring them up four times, let them play four times. It's to try to keep other teams from stockpiling talent on the twos and just bring them up whenever they want to as a, as a workaround. And it also helps out the owners that don't want to spend money. But that's why Firmino can't come up. Even if he did, I don't know where he'd play. He's not going to start ahead of Tiago. He continues, Pineda mentioned that center midfield was one of the deeper positions on the team. Is it your impression that there's a disconnect between the fans' view of the quality of players there and Pineda's, or is it more Pineda showing belief in his players publicly as a coach? I think it's a little bit of a mix. He said we have many options. He didn't say we have many quality options. I could be just being snarky about that. Uh, I do think the team's going to try to bring in a center midfielder. I do think they're going to try to bring in a winger. I do think they're going to try to bring in a striker. It's pretty clear that Gigi, just by the nature of the way he plays, isn't going to be able to go every game. And when he's not, they got to have – they either need the Miguel Berry that played last night who did some good things or somebody who is a bit in between in terms of results between the two. But I do think Sayedich has turned into a very, very good player for Atlanta United considering his salary and the fact he's been surrounded by a whole bunch of different players. And Sosa played well last night. Sosa has a high ceiling. Sam Jones will punt out a few times. I think it was Sam that Everton once made a $15 million bid for him when he was at River Plate. So he's a, a player that's got potential. He just needs to stay healthy. And then he continues. We picked up, we at Lenny United picked up an inter, international spot in the Gutman trade. Mosquera is listed as taking one of those spots on the website's roster. Did the team need another international spot to bring in Mayumba? because Mosquera returned from loan. I don't know. I think they still had another one. This one they got from Colorado may be for another player that they're signing, but I don't I don't think that's the case. Jeff says, some thoughts on the match. Three CBs and two wingers are clearly the better defense. Glad to see an improved defensive effort for the two matches, even without Robinson. Sosa played very well. Great replacement for Abara. As usual, Miguel Berry adds no value on the field. I'm going to disagree with you on that one in this game, Jeff, uh, for the reasons I've explained before. Other than one strong run up the middle, he was virtually invisible. You've got to watch the play. Just watch him harass defenders. Watch him his hold-up play. It's not all about scoring. I know that strikers are supposed to score, but in his case, just watch some of the other things. He says, Chole is a better alternative when Gigi's unavailable. Montreal fans are class, classless poor losers. Well, that's a little a little definitive also. But Mike says, hey, Doug, AJC subscriber here and big fan of yours. Well, thanks, Mike. Excellent job as always with the United coverage. Are you going to be creating an account on threads? Not unless I'm told to. I only have the bandwidth to keep up with a few things that I do keep up with. And now our question of the week. Iva says, you tweeted that the under 22 initiative isn't working well for most MLS teams, that the rule stinks and needs to be changed. Don't the teams only have themselves to blame for signing some bad under 22 players? How is it the rules fault that in July, 2022, Atlanta paid nearly 1 million for a 20 year old winger with zero career goals and four career assists to an under 22 deal when they already had three under-22 players on the roster. Yeah, I mean, the teams have themselves to blame, but again, you're you're buying players based on potential. And as I pointed out earlier, if every team could figure out the potential of every young player, then the world would be full of world-class players. And that just it doesn't happen. That's the gamble of sports. It's 
why the baseball draft is 50-something freaking rounds long, why the NFL draft is seven rounds long. Some players you think have potential and you want to see what they can do, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. As for it's not the rules fault that Atlanta United signed Edwin Mascara. That was a just bizarre gamble uh, that I can't quite figure out other than I guess they thought they're going to be able to move somebody or maybe they thought they're going to be able to use the buyout on Eric Lopez, but then they had to use it on Joseph. Who knows? But they shouldn't have had four on the roster. That's not the rule's fault. That's Atlanta United's fault. But the rule, if you look at it, I need to go and, and look, but I think it's like five, it's less than 10 players have actually been developed and sold by MLS teams through this under 22 initiative. That's just, to me, not enough if you multiply three by every team in Major League Soccer. Maybe it'll get better. It just, and it's also weird because it's tied to like young DPs and DPs, the number you can have. And it's just, it's a little too complicated. And Atlanta United has got to make some decisions. If they sell Tiago Almada, it's going to affect the number of, of under 22s they can have. It's it's a whole like abacus bizarre thing. But that's why I think the rule stinks. All right, we're going to wrap up the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. Atlanta United 1-0 winners over Montreal on a goal from Books Lennon after a fantastic free kick by Tiago Almada. I think you're going to start to see some player signings in the next couple of weeks. I hope that you'll continue to follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC for news about that. This is Southern Fried Soccer. Communicate with your loved ones. Talk to your loved ones. Y'all take care.